0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy.
2: And welcome to the Voices of the Vehicle podcast with me, Mike Duffy, and Ben Ayton. Now, it's 7.30 on Wednesday morning. Ben, despite the frustrating result last night, how, how's everything your side?
1: Oh, I'm extremely tired, mate. I was up <laughs> pretty much all night with my little one, and Ben, um, watching Watford play last night, which was a frustrating performance as well. It feels like I've not had a great 12 hours. No. Um, but yeah, uh, Realistically, I'm I'm all all good, mate. There's there's worse people, well there's people worse off than me. So yeah, I'm not going to complain. But yeah, how about you, mate?
2: Good stuff. Yeah, no, um, shattered as well. I I didn't get off to sleep till about midnight, which some might think isn't very late at all, but for me it is. Um, but yeah, no, other than that, I'm all right, you know, i got work at quarter past nine, uh, but it's Wednesday already, so I don't know where this week has gone. But yeah, no, all good, thank you very much. Now, before we do touch on the game last night, um, there is something I do want to touch on very, very quickly. Um, the news. Some news broke, uh, I believe it was the other day, as you may have seen on social media, that Zhao Pedro put a video out saying, um, get well soon, Danny. Now, the context behind that is, um, there is a Watford fan called Danny Clavin, who is currently fighting COVID in hospital. Now, under my impression from what I've read on various Facebook groups and Twitter, etc., Danny was really, really struggling with COVID, uh, but he's now on the road to recovery and feeling a lot better. So long may that continue, that recovery. Uh, and from myself and Ben at Voices of the Vic, we, we, as we put a tweet out, we, we wish him all the best. But Danny was the chap that when João Pedro signs, he gave him his gloves in the crowd because there was a video of João Pedro watching one of our games in the um, in one of the boxes. And Danny was the chap that handed him the, the his gloves because he saw that Pedro was cold. So that's why Pedro was, has tweeted that. But, yeah, we wish um, we wish all the best to Danny and um, uh, uh, hopefully a, a speedy recovery and he can get back on the men's watching the, uh, the boys in yellow soon. So, yeah, come on. Come on, Danny. Up oh, the horns, mate. But, yes, moving on to the game itself now. Yeah. Um, Millwall away before the game you know it's another stoke realistically you're going away to Millwall on a cold wet windy night whatever it may be um Millwall going into this had the fifth worst home record in the division um but then there was another stat last night that said they've only lost three at home so by the sounds of it and after looking they do love a draw uh, and I think they pretty much set up for one last night. Um, come the second half, that was pretty evident, but we'll get on to that. But there was only one change from the team that played on Friday night away at Stoke. And uh, Ben, it was a bit of a weird one. Um, we we've, we took out Jaume Pedro, who's our joint top goalscorer, um, and then brought in Andre Gray, who's scored one all season, and that one he scored... Sort of hit him on the backside, he knew nothing about it, and yeah, it
1: it was a really odd one to see Pedro come out, wasn't it? Massively, yeah. Um, I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, I, d- I don't know how he keeps getting into the side, Andre. Great, um, I, I, I know. Munez is all about confidence and giving the strikers confidence and like praising them, Like just like his comment he made a couple of weeks ago by saying he's got the best stru- uh, strikers in the championship to try and boost their confidence and morale and just to get them going. But it, it's, it's not worked with Andre Gray. Um, it's it's possibly worked with Troy Deeney. We, we've kind of seen his performances improve since the comments have been made, but Andre Gray's gone the other way. Um, I saw um Roy Moore, the founder of 1881, tweeted last night saying, "We should set up a GoFundMe page to try and buy Andre Gray a goal." And, and I think <laughs> I think I think he's spot on. I think we need to. I don't know when his next goal is going to come from. So I just don't get Moonis's thoughts on taking out Gel Pedro, who who's a threat, is a live he can create something out and I think He's always making those late runs into the uh, far post to tap it in, uh, which we've seen this season. Andre Gray doesn't really offer much, and you can sense the frustration from Watford fans when that team news came out and it was just one change to a side and it was grey in and Pedro out. Um, It was a shame not to see Ken Semmer back involved but um, it it looks like Ken Sema is suffering from a knock that he's picked up in training so that's probably why he wasn't involved last night. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I wasn't expecting there to be much changes in the back four. I thought we were going to keep it consistent because we've been picking up clean sheets in the last few games. Um, so, wasn't expecting any changes there. I was maybe expecting or maybe hoping Zinko Eagle was going to come in and pick up a deserved start, but he's still being bledded in, isn't he? He's, he's, he's still a bit cautious about giving him a start another 30 minutes from last night. But, yeah, I think it was a frustrating... Um, team lineup. Considering that we was all a little bit worried. First half of the way at Stoke, we didn't really put in much effort, and then we kind of made only one change to our side, and we was like, "Oh, not this midfield again." Um, what we're we gonna do? Play um, Cleverly wide, wide left, or we play Chalmer wide left, or Susie left? It's like there's too many central midfielders in that side, and the formation doesn't really work that four four two. No, no. Well, I think Sonny
2: might wanna pick up on what you've said. Um, I think it was key that we didn't change the back four um, there were cases that Kiko should have got a rest and luckily we've got an able replacement in Jeremy Ngakia, um, just on that note by the way, I did see a West Ham fan tweet earlier in the week, I noticed how Ngakia is only play, is only on the bench and has the same role at Watford that he would have done at West Ham if he had stayed, um, that guy is an idiot, he clearly doesn't know anything uh, Our Grapes uh, yeah, and Gakia just can't get in the sides because of how good our right-back is. Um, but yeah, um, Argle, I can only assume that the pitch had a lot to play with. Don't forget, he's oh. come from a plastic pitch and these perfect surfaces. And then that pitch last night was awful, wasn't it, Ben? It,
1: it was like something out of the 80s. And the pitch was <laughs>
2: dreadful. I've seen, was better states, I've seen better states down Gaybridge Park, mate. That, that was awful, that was.
1: I was just going to say, I played Sunday League down Gaybridge Park last year, and that was, that gets waterlogged every every winter, and that, that's a better standard pitch than the, one of the new then.
2: Absolutely. But yeah, no, that's the only thing I can think with um, Zink and Argo not starting, but nonetheless frustrating. And then, as you say, the amount of midfielders that were in that starting 11. Um it, it actually looked, when the game started, that it was Husey out on the left. So, he was playing out of position. And I think that's where Javi Garcia used to play him, out on the left now. yeah, Obviously, Husey's class-act all rounds. But he him out on the left, it doesn't really work because uh, that's not his proper position. But he's still putting a shift. Um but yeah, I think the key thing was, as you've picked up, Ben, it was important that we didn't go into it with the first half performance that we did against Stoke. Um, because Millwall, I know obviously Stoke are as well, but Millwall are a bloody physical side. And I think we saw that last night, which is why it was key that we kept the defence that we did. Sierra Elter, um up against the likes of Jake Cooper, their centre-back coming up for set-pieces. Uh, Kenneth Sahor's a big bloke as well. And, and they've got, you know, I think Hutchinson, their um, captain as well. You know, he's he's not a short lad himself. So, you know, they're, they're another big physical side. So the fact that we've got two big lads at the back in the in the form of Trooster Kong and Sierra Elta, it was key that we kept those. But going back to what I was saying, it was key that we didn't replicate the first half performance that we did against Stoke. Uh, and to be honest, Ben, I think we come out the traps flying. I thought we started much better, you know, it was only, there's only nine minutes on the clock when Feminier did what he's been doing all season and whips in a dangerous ball um, and it just missed ahead of Troy Deeney. So, you know, in terms of the start that we made, it was much better than it was against Stoke.
1: Yeah, I thought we started the game really well and it's what we haven't been doing this season. We've always been a bit sluggish away from home and a bit slow, but mm-hmm. I thought we started really strongly yesterday and I thought the first five, five, ten minutes, it was each side trying to fill each other out and yeah. uh, just trying to understand each other, how we were all going to set up and that. But we we started to edge for possession and then we started getting into the final third and we were starting to create chances. So, yeah, it was a much positive um, start from Watford yesterday and you would expect it against the Millwall side. Like you said at the start of the show, they've struggled at home this season. Um, so, you would you would expect that from this Watford side.
2: Yeah, and do you think, I know sort of sort of the 10, first 10, 15 minutes was probably a bit too early to show, but... I'd mentioned at the start there that they've got the fourth or fifth worst home record in the division, but they've only lost three at home, so they've picked up a lot of draws. Do you think that they've actually set out to draw that game from the start? Do you think it was evident that that's what they... Because it's very rare, unless you're a big team and you can do this, that you set up to hit teams on the counter at home. So usually you'd see that tactic if Millwall were the away sides, they were going to soak up the pressure and then look to hit us on the counter. But Millwall, obviously, 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 other than sort of scoring that goal which was ruled out, which we'll get onto, and then hitting the post as well, they didn't actually look like being that bothered about getting players forward and trying to score. I don't think they were more happy to sort of have the ball sort of flying with these tackles, etc. So it looked to me as if they were quite happy with setting up for a draw, um, and. I watched Gary Rowett's press conference after as well, or, or his interview, sorry, with Millwall uh, Twitter, and he said that they've now drawn with us, Norwich and Bournemouth, at um, well this season. So maybe the mindset was, well, let's go into this looking for a draw, uh, and then if we somehow scrape a win, then great. So I think that perhaps played into their hands a little bit. But as you say, you know, that first sort of 10, 15 minutes, we were on top and perhaps trying to feel each other out to sort of see where the game was going. Because then after that chance that Deeney had, it wasn't long before we had another chance. So just seven minutes later, um, Gray burst burst away. Um, he got through and then he looked to cut it back for Troy Deaney, but he put the ball just behind him. Now, do you think that that's sort of shows... The lack of confidence with Andre Gray, because usually if he's bursting down on the goalkeeper, most strikers are going to be selfish there and at least go for goal. But do you think that the fact that he didn't and tried to play it to Troy sort of highlights the serious lack of confidence that Andre Gray has got? Or do you just think he he would have played it regardless of if he'd scored 10 goals or one goal?
1: I think it's a lack of confidence. In fact, that, that um, clip there just just says lack of confidence to me. Mm. If, if Andre Gray was full of confidence, he's, he's got four or five goals into his name for season, he would have gone straight towards goal and he would have had a crack and probably tested a keeper or even scored. But of course, he is lacking that confidence. He's like, I don't want the ball. You go, Troy, you, you try and put it in the back of the net. <laughs> That's what it said to me yesterday uh, mm. with that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, where this goal is going to come from, I I, I don't even know. Um, you know, obviously, we've just played two big physical sides, um, but really, he's had enough chances in the last few games. Was it the Huddersfield game or the Barnsley? It was a Barnsley game where he put that one, he dinked it over, um, can't think of the Barnsley keeper's name, but he, he dinked it over him and put it wide when he had the whole goal gaping. Um, so, Yeah, like Roy Moore said last night, I think we should start a GoFundMe page and hopefully buy him a goal. Um, Talking of having the whole goal at your mercy, um, Kenneth Zahor looked pretty much certain to score, but for some reason he he left his header and he had pretty much the whole goal to to aim at, so that was a little bit of a let-off, but I think last night, overall, um, it was a pretty easy night for Dan Backman, wasn't it, Ben?
1: Yeah, he didn't really have too much to do, really. I can't really recall him to make many saves. I think he had a couple of saves from long distance to make, which we've been keeping most teams to do this season. Even when Foster's being in goal, we've been limiting the opposition to shots outside the box. Um, mm. And it continued last night. But yeah, Dan Backman, nothing really to do. And that was his third clean sheet in the last four games. So yeah, fair play to him. He's, he's, doing, he's done brilliantly. I don't think many Watford fans would have expected him to do as well as he actually has done. I know a lot of fans have wanted him to come in and wanted to see how good he could do. But I think he's surprised a lot of fans and he's yeah. actually done better. And I'm, I'm really pleased for him because... Being a number two goalkeeper or a number three goalkeeper, you've got to be patient and you, you've got to wait for your chance and you going to training every day and then you travel with the first team. You might be on the bench, you might be in the stands and you've got to try and keep yourself motivated at all times. And finally, Dan batman has been given his opportunity and he's, he's definitely taking it and, yeah, fair play to him. Um, I, I really like him. I think he's a really good goalkeeper. Yeah, you
2: you spot on with what you say there, Ben. He has surprised a lot of people, myself included. You know, I've said on this podcast in previous sort of episodes, that if it come down to it, next season for example, if Foster did retire or left or whatever and we were left with Backman Parks and Dolberg, I've said in the past that I would much prefer Dolberg um, now, Backman has put a serious case forward uh, for his name, uh, but he's, he's been absolutely outstanding and I think it goes to show the sort of defence that we've got at the moment and the way that we've set him up defensively, which which sort of goes back to Ivic's style of play, um, goes to show that the defence are that solid, that he's not
1: needed to do much, which he will be more than happy about. Um, Do you feel more comfortable now knowing that if if Ben Foster was to retire at the end of the season, that we've actually got a number two goalkeeper who could come in and actually be a a full-time number one? Because that's how I feel now with Batman. Like before, I thought, oh... If Foster goes, we might have to be in the market and looking to bring in another keeper. I know we'd sent Dolberg out on loan, but before he went out on loan, he was kind of unproven. And would he make the, the step up to play week in, week out? He's done fantastic on his loan spell in Sweden. So obviously he's going to come back and make that department stronger. But mm-hmm. Dan Batman, with his loan spell at Kilmarnock as well, and then playing the last four games back to back, it mm-hmm. just looks like it's not really a department we need to worry about too much now.
2: I wouldn't be surprised, especially if we go up, if we bring an experienced head in. Um, I was going to touch on it at the end, but I'll touch on it now whilst we're on the subject of goalkeepers. Uh, we have brought in uh, Rob Elliott from Newcastle, although I think he was a free agent. I'm not sure. Um, because yeah. he Yeah. So um, he's signed a deal until the end of the season and he... We've had a lot of comments on Instagram, especially yesterday, saying, why have we signed Rob Elliott? I can't believe this. Backman's been doing really well. I don't think... Well, I I certainly know that it's not a signing that we bring in Rob Elliott in and then Backman's going to be on the bench again and Rob Elliott's going to play every game. Uh, Backman has done more than enough to show that he's a capable replacement for Ben Foster in this league. Um, Rob Elliott is purely only brought in because of experience. Um, All I'm going to say on the matter which is what I tweeted yesterday. Think of Leeds away on the final day of uh, 12-13 season. Almunia gets injured in the warm-up. Jonathan Bond, again, able replacement, did really, really well that season when called upon. He gets injured in the first half. On the bench, we've got Jack Bonham, who is the third-choice goalkeeper, or fourth-choice maybe, and he was told the day before that he wasn't going to be extended, his contract wasn't going to be extended. So it's better to be safe than sorry, which is why I believe we brought him in. He has got experience. He's been at Newcastle Charlton. Um, He's had loan spells at Accrington Stanley. Uh, Other clubs escaped me. But the deal is expected to be done today, as we record this, which is Wednesday after completion of his medical. He's 34 years old. He's six foot three, started his career at Charlton, played 96 times, moved to Newcastle, where he made 54 appearances, uh, 55 appearances, my bad, in nine nine seasons. And he also has four caps for Republic of Ireland. So going back to your original question, Ben, um, I do feel much more confident that Backman is in the squad. If we go up to the Premier League, which is sort of the hope, I, I do think we will bring in someone experienced. But I don't see why not, especially if he continues his rich vein of form, Backman should be given that start on the first day of the season and see how things go. Um, so, in, answer, in short... I do feel that we have an able replacement with Dan Backman in the squad. And obviously, we've got Dolberg as well coming back uh, next season as well. So, But I wouldn't be surprised if we do bring in an experienced head, um, knowing us, probably someone from Udinese. Because <laughs> um, I know <laughs> we were actually linked with um, a goalkeeper uh, that was at Udinese. And they, were, they, they had plenty of people that were after him, but they were waiting to see if we were going to stay in the division. Um, if we were, it was pretty much about 90% certain that he was going to sign, but obviously we didn't, so I believe he's moved on, so I wouldn't be surprised if we, we signed an Udinese goalkeeper if we went back up this season, especially if Ben does move on. Now, moving on to um, a little bit later on in the game, obviously our first real chance, Tom Cleverley, um the ball rebounded off the post basically from Cleverly's free kick, and it was one of those that just wouldn't fall to anyone. Uh, I think the free kick come in, um, which I want to say, by the way, A, Tom Cleverly, again, proving why he should be in the team every week and proving a lot of doubters wrong. And B, how good were the corners and set-pieces yesterday, Ben? They were much vastly improved, other than Zink and Argo when he come on, which I'll touch upon in a bit. But, um, yeah, less said about them, the better. But how good... Was Cleverly's free kicks and corners yesterday. It seems like we're actually starting to work on them now.
1: Yeah, I feel a bit com- more comfortable with Cleverly and Tuesday standing over f- uh, free kicks and corners. I feel like there's a yeah. better delivery going into a box now. But Tom Cleverly's overall game yesterday was superb. I-, I was surprised that he came off, but maybe it's- there's lots of games, isn't there? So <laughs> you probably don't want one of your best players to get pick up an injury, and he is one of our best players, and he's probably showing why he's one of the First names on the team sheets again after that uh, good performance yesterday. Like like we said, he works tirelessly hard, doesn't he? Mm. He he just doesn't. uh, He he just doesn't stop running. He he scraps at every single ball. The work rate's unbelievable, and like for leadership, he brings as well. His quality on set pieces now, like we're starting to see, he chips in with goals. He's got four this season. I think he's having a superb season. Well just while we're on the
2: subject of midfielders, obviously we talked about um, cleverly there, you know, echo what you say completely, Ben, he's got the sort of energy and the, commitment and the determination to chase down that ball that you'd expect from a young hungry sort of 18 year old he just doesn't stop running he's an absolute engine some cleverly is we've had a question from Paul White uh, on Instagram that says do you think that we perhaps oversubscribed for aggressive ball winning midfielders and lacking in a dynamic attacking midfielder so basically do you think we're missing someone that's of the similar ilk of Alban Abdi um, which Paul is suggesting, which is probably why we're struggling to score, but we've been tied to defensively. Now, is that something you'd agree with? We've got so many aggressive ball-winning midfielders, uh, because personally, I think you can't really call Chalaber an aggressive ball-winning midfielder uh, because of his up-and-down performances. Tom Cleverly will chase anything down. Will Hughes will get stuck in. Um, so, on a personal level... I don't think we've got enough of them. Uh, and I know who I would have gone for. But before I go into that, do you think that that's the case? Or do you think that we haven't got enough hard tackling, sort of midfield crunching generals, if you like?
1: Um, I, I don't think we've actually got one proper standout ball crunching um, tackle tackler at the club. Mm. Not like what we've had with in the past with like Valor and Barami. Oh, um, what in the middle, he we haven't got that hard man in the middle, I don't think. No. That just I, I think Chalera ducks out of challenges sometimes. I don't think Cleverly's one who's, who's going to break up players much in the middle of the part. Um, we've seen Tuesday come back and he's, he's getting his foot stuck in, but yeah, I don't think we've got that kind of player. And when you look at like the sides, like Millwall last night. They've just signed Cliffin Bell from um, right. Birmingham City, <laughs> and, and and he he's like you. He's one of the hardest mans in the championship in the centre midfield. He wins every single battle there, even if he don't win the ball, he's going to take part of a man and let them know that he's there, like he did last night in Chalabar. And I just think we haven't really got that kind of midfielder at the club, and that kind of midfielder you you might need um, in a promotion push that we've got on our hands this season. Um, I do think we, I, I think it's a formation that isn't helping us. I think mm-hmm. we possibly do have the attacking midfielders at the club. Um, We're just not seeing them playing in their right position. I'd I'd love to see Hughes in a number 10 role. Um, and have us two, having two sitting midfielders, maybe like Chalabar and Cleverly, and then having Hughesy in front of him, or I'd love to play Nigel in that number 10, or we've even got Domingos Quinn at the club as well. So I don't, I would have been more worried about the attacking threat if we didn't sign Nigel this transfer window, but mm-hmm. I think... We have improved under S creating chances-wise of late. It's just we can't finish him at the moment. So I think the department we really need to look at at the moment is the strikers' department. Yeah, and,
2: and just going back on what you've said, Ben, Kifton Belt would have been my choice. Like, I'm not for one minute saying he's anywhere near the ability level that Etienne Capoue had, but I think he would have been certainly a very, very ideal replacement for Etienne Capoue. Um As you say... Capu was known for intercepting the ball and sort of getting the well, winning the ball back, etc. But in a way, not in a way where he would fly into tackles and crunch people. He just he was called the Octopus because he literally was able to sort of win balls from any sort of angle. It could be ten yards away from him; he'd somehow make his way over there and get the ball back. Whereas Kifton and Belt. He is not afraid to jump into challenges, to crunch people. The old cliche, let them know you're there, really hit people hard. And we saw it last night. Um, I think when we played Birmingham City, he was probably one of the standout performers for them as well, because that was a proper drab game. But, He has consistently performed at Birmingham City and mates of mine are really gutted that he's left to go to Millwall. But by the sounds of it, if he was going to leave, it was only going to ever be to link up with his former manager, Gary Rowett, because I'm led to believe as well that Rowett tried to sign him at Derby as well but he didn't quite come off. But Kifton Belt, for me, would have been perfect for that. Because as you say, Ben, we've got the likes of Husey, who, yes, he gets stuck in, but he's more he, he tries to be more creative. Play him a little bit further forward. He, he likes to get the ball forward. He can play in the strikers. Yes, we do need a striker that can score goals, Ben. Absolutely right. But play Husey there, cleverly you know will run and run and run and run. You put him alongside Kiftenbelt. Kiftenbelt's got to do all the dirty work. Cleverly can chase things down. Hughes is there to link up the strikers, and midfield the defence, and then you've got Chalobah to sort of sort of be back up to that. So I think Kiftenbelt would have been absolutely perfect. But you know, as I say, I think if he was going to leave, it was only going to be to sort of link up with Gary Rowett because I believe it was Rowett that signed him um, at. Birmingham City to start with from uh, FC Groningen. I was having a good chat with the um, fan page Watford Netherlands. I think it's Brendan that um, actually runs that. So go and check them out on Instagram. But he uh, he knew his stuff about him coming from, from Holland. Uh, but yeah, he would have been my ideal replacement for, for Etti and Kapu. It,
1: it feels like we're missing that kind of uh, signing, like what Absolutely. we did with Ben Watson. Um,
2: Great we, we needed
1: someone... Yeah, um, we just need that championship experience sometimes. Yeah. I know we've got the quality that of Chalaba and Cleverly the Premier League experience, but we, we haven't really got that proper championship experience. And we we did exactly that with Ben Watson when we brought him in, and he was exactly what we needed at the right time. And I feel like we, we've kind of lacked that this season. Um sure maybe that's something we should have looked at in January Um, so you could bring it in and then you could have that aggressor in the middle of the park that would break up play and then that would maybe allow Chalabar to relax a little bit more mm-hmm. and to be a bit more comfortable that he's got someone experienced next to him who, who he knows he's going to go chase the ball he's going to get the ball back and then he's going to give it to Chalabar and Chalabar he can either slow things down or speed it up with his range yeah. of passing and then I just feel like that's what we've kind of missed this season.
2: Absolutely, you know, I, I think someone that's not going to be afraid to roll their sleeves up and get properly stuck into a challenge like midfielders used to do back in the days and obviously as you say when missing someone with some vast championship experience Um, sort of went off, tang- off on a tangent a little bit there, uh, we were talking about that chance, it just wouldn't fall to anyone would it Ben? And I think that sort of told the story of the night that it wasn't going to be our night no matter how much we dominated and how many shots we had I think that was probably an early indication that it was going to be one of those nights, wasn't it?
1: I can't believe we we're still talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, 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 we do go off on one some, sometimes. Sorry about that, <laughs> listeners. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those nights. It was. Going in at half time, I was thinking, it's all right. We, if we keep on creating chances, we'll, we'll, we'll get a goal and we'll come out of winners. But it just, like you said, it wasn't falling for us. No. I think maybe Millwall were looking more threatening than us with their chances that they was creating. Just before half time, they had this little goal through Jake Cooper. who I must say is a fantastic centre-half. Yep. And when we was in the Premiership last season and we was lacking for centre-half, commanding centre-half and ball-winning... Um, defender like him mm-hmm. I would have wanted him in last season I think he's fantastic he's, he's, he's always linked with bigger clubs but Millwall don't want to sell him and you could see how much of a threat he is from set pieces I don't know who, who our scouts are that look at the <laughs> oppositions or not but he, he was getting the headers all the time like Cyril S- Alta, we all know he, he's he's brilliantly in the air he, he, he has um, I've got a stat that in the air, he has the best uh, win rate of winning an aerial duel. He's yep. got an 80% aerial duel win in the Watford wow. side, whereas uh, Truce Econ, Cabacelli, and Kafkar all have 57%. So I don't know why Sierra Elta wasn't told to pick him up. He was going on to Truce Econ. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, no, it, it was really weird. And as you say, you'd expect... When you see the likes of Hutchinson, who's a big lad at the back for them, Cooper, you would expect automatically, especially after that first one that he's going to go up and win, Cooper, you'd say, right, CRL say... You stick on him. But, yeah, it was really, really hard. Um, and
1: 30 seconds later, he has a a, a disallowed goal.
2: Oh, and, and he
1: and he, hit, and he hits a post. It's like, come on, boys.
2: Yeah, exactly. You, you'd expect that to be a little bit of a wake-up call. Um, another chance in between there we had. Uh, again, Troy Deeney sort of playing Mr Provider, uh, chest it down perfectly, and Gray went for it. Um, that's fine, Gray. If you want to have chances and try and get that goal... Brilliant, But Husey, for me, was better positioned to take that down, hit it first time with his right foot. And you've pretty much, I think it was from, what, about six, seven yards out. Uh, but I think Husey should have hit that. But as you say, Ben, um, for all our domination in the first half and better chances, it was lucky that we actually went into the break still drawing. Because as you say, Cooper had that chance, which was um, denied by the offside flag, which... On replay, um, a <laughs> little bit suspect. I think he was actually level. So we've got away with one massively there. Um, now, obviously, at half-time, I'd say we could be pretty pleased. You know, we didn't know what to expect, obviously, in the second half. But on the over, sort of grand scheme of things, you know, we had 52% possession, four shots, two of them on target, two corners, 235 passes. Uh, we did pick up two yellow cards, though, which is a bit annoying. Um we went into that second half sort of thinking, OK, you know, the, the, the lads left us purring a little bit, uh, thinking, OK, if we can replicate this in the second half, Millwall are there for the taking. We both said on our personal Twitter accounts that they're there for the taking, which they were. Um, you know, other than that chance they had right at the ends and then hitting the post, as you say, they didn't really create much. We looked more like creating and scoring. Um, I think the thing that Watford fans wanted to see was... We'd had a good first half. Let's do it again in the second half. I can't remember um away from home a complete ninety minute performance that we've had. Like where we've been good in the first half and good in the second half. I can't remember that. So I think a lot of Watford fans were just hoping that we were going to, you know, start the second half like we did the first half. Uh because obviously that was the story of Stoke away a really drab first half and then a brilliant second half. Um, It didn't take us long, 56 minutes on the clock. Deeney and Gray combined uh, really well, actually. And uh, Gray had a chance, which (laughs) stupidly I thought was in. Um, He'd hit the side netting. uh, But again, Troy Deeney and Andre Gray linking up on a rare occasion. And uh, not so rare. Gray wasn't able to put it away. Um, And then I think the only... So the next thing to speak about after that was the double change. Now, you mentioned, obviously, Ben, that Cisco might have the sort of backlog of fixtures to, to catch up on. Well, the, the fixtures coming in thick and fast. But we're not playing now till Monday night. So that gives us six days. I don't get why he brought some cleverly off. Granted, it was to bring on Argle, which was great. But he could have brought Hughes off, he could have brought Chalaber off, bring Chalaber off, bring Zink and Argel on, move Hughes to the middle with Cleverly, and then Zink and Argle can play out wide. Um, why he brought Cleverly off, I do not know. Uh, so the double substitution was Cleverly and Gray off, and Zink and Argle and Zell Pedro on at 64 minutes on the clock. Um, and what an impact they made, Ben, which probably justifies why
1: they should be starting games you see that when um, Greg got subbed he walked straight past Moonless and didn't say anything to him or shake his hands you know like normally players yeah. would like shake the manager's hand of that he, he kind of like walked past him there to think why have you taken me off <laughs> some nerve, he? <laughs> yeah but yeah um, you, you're right they made an impact straight away Um there was lots of good touches between the two. Um, Zink and Eagle actually had a shot after three minutes of coming on. He, he got the ball and took a shot from distance, which was blocked, and he won a corner with it. But he, he just adds a bit more in, t- in intensity to the play, doesn't he? A lot yeah. more urgency. He, he gets the ball and he wants to go forward with it. I, I, I know from the resulting corner, he took it and he hit the first man again, um, like he did a few weeks ago when he took a corner. Um, so I think he's got work on his corners. But yeah, we just need to see more of Zink Eagle, don't we?
2: Hmm. Yeah, well, I was going to say, you know, other than his corners, because they were dross, uh, other than the last one, actually, um, he's, the last one he took, we we made a half chance out of it, um, if you can even call it that, but straight away, the intensity, when he gets on the ball, a bit like Uzi, he's looking to get forward. He's thinking, right, what can I do here? How can I, how can I sort of create a chance for the lads? How can I maybe have a shot myself? And then, Zal Pedro, as we know, you know, he's brilliant. Now, Listen, I understand that Jael Pedro is still acclimatising to English football and uh, climate, etc. You know, there was a brilliant video in the week when it was snowing. I don't think Jael Pedro's seen that much snow before, or <laughs> any at all. Um, so, you know, obviously we have to understand that he's come from South America. So, you know, it does take a little bit of time to sort of bed in. But he's a young lad. Like, I th- I don't think he should be getting, I won't say, dr- can I call it dropped? Um I, I don't know. I, I don't think he should be on the bench as much as he is. You know, he's he's far too he's rotated far too many times for my liking, especially because he's got six goals. I think he said he wants fifteen goals this season. I think he said. You know, he's never going to get that if we keep putting him on the bench and bringing him on and all this. Give him a run of games. Zinchenko, like I said at the start of the episode, I can understand why he wasn't started because that pitch was awful, and he's used to playing on sort of plastic pitch. He's obviously played a full season as well uh, over in Norway. But João Pedro, for me, has to start games. You know, it's a no-brainer. It really, really is. Um, and then, obviously, we had that chance, Ben, on the 17th minute. Chalabas hit one from sort of a little bit of distance. The keepers sort of blocked it or parried it, if you like. And then, I never thought I'd say this, Troy Deeney attempted an overhead kick and Bill, Biel, I can't pronounce his name, Bill Kowski, um, <laughs> yeah. who used to live in the village that I live in, actually, when he played for Knott's County. A little bit of an uh, interesting stat for you there, uh, or fact. Um, he did well to actually tip it wide. But I don't think I've ever seen Troy Deeney attempt that, ever. Um, but why not? Off the cuff, brilliant chance and a brilliant save. But did you think that was going in, Ben? Because I certainly did.
1: I thought he was going to put his back out more than the <laughs> ball going near the back of a net. Yeah, that seemed out for the season. <laughs> um, <team, but laughs> it, it was good that he wanted to try it. I thought it, it was close. It was it was going into that bottom left hand corner, bottom left, a uh, right hand corner. Sorry, but yeah, mm-hmm. um, it was. We just needed to up the ante a little bit, wasn't it? And we was just restricted to shots from distance. And I felt like every Tom, Dick, and Dar- Harry was having shots from distance yesterday. And yeah. luckily, this one fell to Dini, but he wasn't. I don't know if he got a good enough connection. I thought the, the ball was too low to attempt to overhead. Kick yeah. I don't know what you thought about it.
2: Yeah, no, it, it was a bit of a, an, an unorthodox thing to do. And like you said, the ball was at a bit of a weird height for him to, to maybe have a stab at it. So it, it did surprise me. And, Obviously, it surprised me that it was Troy Deeney that did it. You know, he's he's, a, he's not a young lad anymore. So, uh, I'm, I'm sure he's feeling the effects of that this morning. But uh, I, nonetheless, good save. And I, I think as well, you know, we've we've talked about a couple of times Millwall having the fifth worst home record. Let's not forget their keeper, Bill, Bill Kowski. Um, he has actually got, well, now he's got 10 clean sheets. And that's one of the most in the division. So, yeah, he's a good keeper. Um, so, you know, credit to him. But as you say, I think everybody in the end was just trying to, you know, we were, it was nice to see that we we're having shots from distance because I think we've been guilty of this season of what I like to call Arsene Wenger play, where we just try and walk it into the back of the net. Uh, but it was nice to see us test the keeper from distance because I think <laughs> I'm going to sound like a, an idiot here, but uh, agreeing with him. But I think Tommy Mooney alluded to it perfectly. Test the keeper especially on that pitch. Now, obviously Millwall are used to it because it's their home pitch, but any sort of bubble, anything, if you hit the ball into the ground before it gets to the keeper, it takes a bubble or anything.
1: You take those. So, um, yeah, but, I I do worry with some of the comments that Tommy Mooney comes out. I don't know (sighs) if anyone else. Yeah. Um, Last night, just for example, one of the comments that he came out with, he said that the Watford team is going to need to take a plane to get back home from London.
2: Mate, (laughs) do you know what he he said? Yeah, he was like, yeah, (laughs) whether they get the train or the plane. And I was watching it with my brother and sister, and I says, yeah, I says, you know that long old plane journey, doesn't it. it? Yeah, yeah, that long old uh, plane journey from Watford to Bermondsey. God, he's like I'd, that
1: uncle at your party He's got yeah. like one too many drinks and he just keeps on talking. It's like, oh, yeah. can Auntie take him home now? Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, he's he's a he's he's a legend, obviously for for the goal yeah. he scored for the club. But yeah, let's switch the commentary up a little bit, please. Um, and <laughs> yeah, uh, Will Huskins, by the way, um, very very good knowledge. Oh, um, he's bolted up, hasn't he? He has, and he's got hair. I'm not used to seeing him have that much hair. Um, hair transplant, probably. Yeah, good-looking chap. That's probably why he keeps getting up. I'm starting to wonder yeah, where Michael's you know, going to come.
1: <laughs> did, you know, <laughs> did you notice it was just him and Emma Saunders in the studio? Well, they, they, normally, they normally have two guests, but they just had Will and Emma. Maybe they're trying to, like... Yeah. Get them together or something. Oh.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, uh, we'll keep an eye on that one. But uh, Will Hoskins plays with Lord Doyley at the moment at um, Kings Langley. Kings Langley, yeah. yeah. I didn't know as well, because I, I thought the, the general thought process behind having ex players on, it would work where whoever Watford are playing, the guest that comes on has played for both teams. And I says, we've got Will Hoskins on again. Will Hoskins actually had a loan spell at Millwall. Um, which I didn't know so uh, yeah. I never knew that no I didn't know and he was born in Nottingham I didn't know that either um, I was have trying to any,
1: any players have... that have played for Watford and Millwall recently and that's the only one I can think of Shitter he's gone quiet since retiring hasn't he we tried he's to not, get not him really on gone into media or anything yeah, tried yeah we tried to show. get him as Messaged one of the him. interviews haven't we Yeah.
2: didn't hear nothing off him So, but I'm not cheers. going to say anything cheers he... Danny
1: mate yeah he's twice the size of me knock seven sides of <laughs> shit out of me he would uh you know we was talking the other day about uh, we've gone a massively off subject here, carry on you know i love we was talking the other day about um jonathan boinder we said we need to he's an agent he's done <laughs> bloody brilliant to get his move to la galaxy yeah. i found out who his agent is go on
2: danny shitter richard lee oh okay
1: yeah ex for goalkeeper richard lee
2: wow i never knew that He's in for a nice pay it, it When we see him
1: next also, on Hive Live, we also tried to get him on the show as yeah. well, didn't
2: we? <laughs> yeah, there's a running theme here. <laughs> when <laughs> when when we next see him on Hive Live, Richard Lee's going to have this Rolex on, Gucci suit. All this money is copped from that LA Galaxy deal for a uh, Jonathan Bonds. He'll be rolling in it. Um, but yeah, um, and a baseball lost, cap. Yeah, <laughs> lost my way a little bit then. Um, but yeah, I think overall that that was probably the best chance to, to do anything uh for the rest of the game and you know i'll just run through some of the stats at full time 56% possession 13 shots on goal five of them on target eight corners 504 passes to millwall's 390 millwall only had two shots on target the whole game um ben in reflection we've had a question from one of our listeners um only one Steve D he said, obviously, we wanted to win tonight, but we would have taken 10 points from 12 before the Huddersfield game, but the away form has to improve. Do you agree with Steve? In the grand scheme of things, and when you look at back at things, would you have taken 12, uh, 10 points from the, the 12 games before Huddersfield?
1: Yeah, I must admit, full time whistle went and I was a bit frustrated and I put my tweet out there saying it was it was frustrating and it was the two points question, dropped. Man. And yeah, but on reflection and seeing Steve's tweet, it kind of made me realise that Steve's right. Um it was a difficult watch in the end last night, but a point wasn't maybe the worst result. Um, we could have ended up losing that game, but we came away with a point. It's another clean sheet. And um, we created a lot of chances in that. The quality in front of goal was probably not good enough. Um, but there's there's still a lot to improve on, isn't there? Um, we looked good in spells where we haven't done away from home recently. Um, so that's a positive as well. Um, but we just couldn't break down that midfield block, really, didn't we? They made it really compact and it was hard for... Teams like us, Norwich and, did you say, Bournemouth that they've drawn with all the season. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's difficult to break them down. We just needed to get Zinkel and Eagle and Pedro both on the pitch quicker than we actually did. But like Steve says, overall, 10 points out of 12. it's, it, it's We would have taken that before the Huddersfield game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with Steve on that. Um, it's a positive last four games. Um, it's put us back in the mix. I know last night was our game in hand, but... It's another point towards a tally. Um, it's still a long, long way to go until the end of the season. So we've moved up to second in the league now. I know other teams have got games in hand on top of us now, but both teams have still got to play and win their games. So I think we're in a good position.
2: Yeah, well, you say it was our game in hand. It's actually only us, Bre- uh, Preston and Huddersfield now, uh, and Stoke, sorry, that have played 26 games we've played the most out of everyone Uh, that draw did see us leapfrog Swansea um, and go into second place one point ahead of them so six points behind um, Norwich as well I just want to point out a couple of things you mentioned there Millwall's midfield was was hard to break down Uh, at one stage they brought on a midfielder for an attacker I believe so it was pretty evident that they were setting up to, to draw the game Um, because they probably thought they weren't going to get anything out of it. And then another thing, I was very, very surprised not to see Matt Smith come on because Matt Smith is a big, big guy um, and he's the type of person that will terrorise defences because he will just win everything in the air. Uh, Whenever we've come up against strikers like that this season, we've really struggled, uh, cast your minds back to wick him away. Akin Fenwa bullied us all night and he's not even that tall, He's bulky, but he's not tall. So Matt Smith's bulky and tall. So I was very surprised that they didn't bring him on. But thank God they didn't. And as you say, Ben, it's very easy. You know, at the full time whistle, your thoughts are with that game only. So like yourself, I was very annoyed. I was. It was two points dropped. Tom cleverly said uh, to the um, Watford website, "I'm not pleased at all, to be honest. Dressing room in there feels like a bit of a defeat." Um, and then he go on to he went on to say, "It's not the worst result." But right now, it feels pretty sore. We want to be in the top two spots. And these are the sort of games you have to win to do that and achieve our goals. I feel more at the minute, two points lost, more than one point gained. And I think a lot of people will think that. But if you were to sort of take a breath, sit back, sleep on it, look at it overall, 10 points out of 12, um, 10 points, yeah, you'd you take it. And it's another clean sheet. Dan Backman's confidence to
1: continue growing. It's a good reaction after the defeat to Swansea, wasn't it? Um, we, we lost to Swansea there. We didn't particularly play well there. I know we took the lead and then ended up losing 2-1, but you kind of want a reaction. And after the we, we won our first game under Munez with Norwich, then obviously we lost at Swansea. Yeah. And you would think maybe, oh, is he the right man for the job? I know the jury's still out. It's still very early, oh, but don't. he's gone on and picked. He's, he's been unbeaten in four games. Um, He's won three, drawn one So we've done all right since the Swansea game and we've got the reaction that you'd want in a promotion push.
2: Yeah, um, the Moon Off Out Brigade, which unfortunately there is such a thing, was out in force last night, apparently. Personally, didn't see any tweets. Uh, but as you say, Ben... You know, you,
1: on Twitter, you can mute words, mooness and Out. I'm just <laughs> going to do that because I'm, yeah. I'm fed up of seeing all these image Out, Moon Out Malarkey. It's ridiculous. People need to grow up.
2: Yeah, no, but on the grand scheme of things, won his first game against Norwich, lost to Swansea, lost to Manu in the Cup, but we battered him, and then won against Huddersfield, Barnsley, Stoke, and then Drawn. So, you know, he's he's lost one league game, one Cup game, which we, we did really well in. Uh, so I'm very happy with how things are going at the moment. Uh, the next three is QPR, Coventry and Bristol City. So, you know, two home games out of the next three. We're much better at home. I'm feeling confident we can pick up nine points there. Uh, just quickly, Ben, out of those next three, QPR at home, Coventry away, Bristol City at home. How many points do you think, realistically, we can pick
1: up? Realistically, seven. Um, yeah. I think we could maybe get a draw at home to Bristol City because Bristol City, on their day, are a good side. Uh, Bristol City are eighth at eight the moment, so they're only... Three points outside of a playoffs position. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we we can get something. Coventry, Coventry aren't great. Um, the pitch at St Andrews is a and great though. No. QPR as well. Yes. Oh, what, just like last night's. Well, we've been to St Andrews already. this season and picked up a victory, haven't we? I know we yeah. made hard work of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we've we've got we've got it in a bag already. I'd say we've um, we've played there already, so we all kind of know how to play against Coventry, I imagine Zinco and Eagle won't get another look in because of the <laughs> state of the pitch then. Um, mm. But yeah, I'll go, for, I'll go for realistically seven points, but yeah, you'd want nine out of those.
2: You would. I think seven will be a good return out of those, but as you say, nine has got to be the aim. Uh, I, that sounds obvious. Obviously, you go into to win every game, but, you know, being realistic. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, the, um, the the St. Andrew's pitch is going to be annoying. What's bloody annoyed me is the one year that we come down and I want to go to St. Andrew's again, I'll get two chances to do it, and there's a bloody pandemic. Um, but just before we talk on the next game, very quickly, because we, we did get actually finally get round to speaking to an opposition fan, uh, which we'll bring you very shortly, just a couple of transfer bits, really. Obviously, we've touched on the signing of Rob Elliott, which we expect to be announced today. Um We've also signed Kenya Under-23 international, Henry Ochieng, um, who's signed until the end of the season. And he's gone. Uh, he's signed for Watford Under-23s, by the way. Um, and he's 22 years old, and he's spent time at West Ham and Laysan Orient Academies. Um, doing some further digging, it looks like he last played in Ireland as well. Um, I'm not sure who it was for, though. Uh, and then the last bit of transfer news, QPR have actually shown some interest in James Garner and the chances of the deal happening are very slim. Watford would have to agree to terminate Garner's loan. And that comes from Sean underscore Gallagher nine on Twitter. Um, Now, I don't want to fall too much into a trap of speaking too lengthy about this, but when that news broke about Garner, the abuse he was getting, I think it's unwarranted. Yes, he hasn't had the best of spells at Watford, but I think people have been very, very harsh. I constantly go on about this. is his first loan spell. He's had a manager change. He's been sent to a championship side who regularly chop and change. Managers chop and change the way they play. He's been thrown in a bit at the deep end, and obviously Ivic didn't really know how to utilise him. And then I... Obviously, he's had to deal with a manager change as well. So I think these people are being very, very harsh on James Garner. But that doesn't that doesn't mean to say that I don't agree in terms of him being sort of not at the races this year. Uh, he hasn't been, but cut him some slack. You know, he's, he's a young lad, for God's sake. Um, and then, as I say, Ben... Next fixture, under the lights, back at the Vic, best home record in the division. That's definitely going to come back to bite me on the arse. So sorry, Watford fans. qpr away we spoke to a qpr fan he was his name was clive from loft for words website uh, slash blog they've been around for 16 years a massive massive thanks to uh, to clive by the way for, for agreeing to do this at such short notice we spoke to him yesterday ben and um this is what he had to say <laughs> Hello. Yes, we are joined by Clive from the QPR website slash blog Loft for Words. Clive, thank you very, very much for for joining us. Like I've said, you know, you're the, you're the first opponent we've heard of in a while. How are you doing this evening as we record?
0: I'm I'm doing good, lads. Thanks for having me.
2: No problem at all. Let's get stuck in straight away. So we know a few weeks ago it looked as if Warburton was close to getting sacked. Have, have things changed or
0: is his position still
2: slightly under threat?
0: Uh, I wouldn't say they've, they've changed massively. We've won a couple of away games, which has relaxed everybody and um, taken some pressure off. Um, QPR would do well to come out of one of these difficult spells with the same manager in charge because, I mean, not on a Watford level, but stacking the manager <laughs> is... is <laughs> I mean it seems to work for you guys but uh, um, it certainly doesn't for us. We we change the manager too often and we change from one kind of manager to a completely different kind when we do it which uh, kind of requires the squad to be ripped up. You know we bounce from Jimmy Floyd Hasselbent to Ian Holloway to Steve McLaren to Mark Warburton. It's like four, four more different characters you couldn't really find and it creates a bit of a mess in the squad. So to actually get through one of these difficult spells with the same manager in charge would, would do us some good. Um, we got a couple of away wins against pretty ropey opposition last week, which was which has chilled everybody out, but then lost poorly against Derby at the weekend. So it'll only need another defeat to to you guys on Monday for it for it all to start rumbling and kicking off again, I suspect.
1: We've just seen that you've just signed Fulham midfielder Stefan Johansson. Uh, Is this to replace the injured Tom Cowell that's uh, just been ruled out for three months with a knee injury? And how good of a signing is this for QPR?
0: Yeah, roll out the bunting for the 30-year-old Fulham midfielder on loan, I guess. Um, (laughs) uh, I don't don't want to be too miserable and and harsh about it, but... um, we, we were desperate for a central midfielder even before Tom Carroll got injured. Luke Amos got injured earlier in the season as well. Um, so we desperately needed one anyway, um, and we probably need two now. Um, you only need to look at our January recruitment to know that this, this is not a season that has gone well. Um, whatever plan they had for it, it has not worked. And we're now in the last week of the window scrabbling around trying to get, sticking plasters on loan basically you know Johansson has been a good player for Fulham at this level so maybe we'll come in and and it is a position we're short in but he's I think he's started five games in five months Um and Fulham fans were talking last year about how his legs had gone so you don't really know how good he's going to be we signed yordi Device on loan from Hull um a week ago now QPR conceded 76 goals in the championship last year so the third season in a row we've conceded more than 70 goals in a season the only two teams that conceded more than us last year one of them was Hull who conceded 87 you know they lost 8-0 at Wigan they're in League One now Device hasn't been playing for them in League One since November and you know we've signed him so that, that you know he hasn't, he hasn't been on the bench for two games yet we you know we played with eight subs out of nine at the weekend this new signing we've got from Hull isn't even on the bench and obviously Charlie Austin's returning hero and has made a difference but like I say when you're scraping around in January for 30 plus year olds on loan you know one from League one, one from Fulham Reserves and hoping that Charlie Austin's still the same Charlie Austin he was five years ago, that's not a season that's gone well that's not a plan that's gone well.
2: No, well, it, it sounds a bit doom and gloom for you guys in the transfer window so far. and I suppose that's sort of added to the fact that Bright, I say, Samuel's uh, been allowed to leave this month to join Fenerbahce. Um, I mean, he's, he's a brilliant player. So how big of a blow is this? And do you know if you've got a replacement lined up at all? The only reason I ask that is we have seen on social media that Ravel Morrison and Danny Simpson uh, have been training with the club and they're both free agents. So. Uh,
0: uh, i don't i don't think those two have have been training with us i mean they get they're all there's a lot of former qpr players angling after moves back to qpr because it's it's the thing that qpr do to uh soothe the pr waters in a crisis is is bring a player back that's done well for us before we've done that a lot with lee cook who was obviously at watford we did that with richard langley danny who was another watford ex charlie austin now it's it's qpr's go to pr play when things are going bad is to uh, bring a returning hero back um yeah, I, I, the bright thing is uh, the same as Ryan Manning. It's a hangover from Steve McLaren's disastrous year in charge where he was meant to come in and develop young players and coach them. And uh, instead, um, basically blew out all the summer transfer targets, um, sent the squad into the season massively underprepared. We lost the first four games, including a 7-1 at West Brom. And then in the last week of the August window, he basically said, you're going to have to get me a load of Premier League players on loan and we're going to get relegated. So he So they did. Um Bright and Manning were two of the players that were meant to be developed in that season by this, you know, this former England coach who's a better coach than a manager and all of this. Um, the season that they were meant to be developed under him and, you know, signing contract extensions. Bright didn't play at all and Manning ended up on loan at Rotherham. So when they did get into the team under Warburton, who is a who is a good coach and has developed them as players and the club were like, well, do you want to sign a contract extension? They were obviously like, well, do we bollocks want to sign a contract extension? <laughs> you know, we've got 18 months left. We're getting offers from elsewhere. You messed us about last season when we probably would have extended, you know, whistle for it. So you know, we lost Manning to Swansea for a couple of hundred thousand and we've now lost Bright to Fenerbahce for, for even less than that. You know, as a club that's meant to be developing and selling players at a profit, it's it's, you know, disastrous really what kind of replacement we'll get for Bright at this stage. Well, like I say, we've spoken about the three players we've already brought in this January. Um I'm not overly I'm not overly excited about the the prospect, to be honest. The the most frustrating thing for me is this January, I've seen players like the the fullback at Crew go into Cardiff. I've mm-hmm. seen Ben Whiteman, who we were in for at Donny, go into Preston. You know, we talked the talk about signing young players and developing them and selling them, but we don't really walk the walk and you know, like I say, now we're in the last week of the window and hanging the bunting out for Stephanie Hansen. It's it's pretty bleak, to be honest.
1: You've touched upon this uh, Charlie Austin already. That was going to be our next question. Is it a big boost having him back into the side? Uh, I know you've, you've you signed um, the Livingston striker in the summer. Was it Dykes? But all, all, all what we can really see is he only really adds goals from penalty spots, just like Troy Denny's <laughs> quite similar to us. Um, so it,
0: does Charlie Austin offer more than Dykes up front? Yeah, he's he's struggled. Um you know it's a big step up and he was only he was only at livingston for a season or so and he was at queen of the south before that um and he came out of i mean some of the teams he played for in australia is like uh, uh surfers paradise apollo was one of his teams so you know it's quite a, it's quite a step up coming and playing in the championship and he has struggled we are a tough team to play for um so he's struggled Macaulay bon hasn't really worked out so far from from charlton either so yeah, having a player like Austin in, it's given the whole club a lift. You know, the supporters are excited again because it, it's been a tough watch this season. There hasn't been a lot of excitement about. So everybody's glad to glad to see him. He's made, I would say, a fairly immediate impact in that he, he scored at, at Luton um, and got us a win there when we, we hadn't won in 10 and desperately needed it. Um the team just looks a little bit more confident with him up there because there were, there were a lot of games this year and Watford at home was one of them where you could come away and say, we've actually played quite well there. I thought in the second half against you, we were the better team. Yeah, but you never deserve really three looked like we day. were going to make it pay with a goal and, and missed a great chance in injury time in that game. And that was Dyke. So there's been quite a bit of that this season. You could say against Bristol City, Bournemouth, Brentford, Watford, quite a few. Quite a few games where you come away thinking well, we've actually, we actually played alright there, but never really looked like scoring or making it pay with a win. Um, so Austin will come in and hopefully give you that. I mean, we only need we need him to score basically five goals and get five wins from somewhere and, and get the hell out of here. That's that's what he's here for. Um, so so yeah.
2: Well, you say you 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 really need five wins and five goals from him. Can you, uh, can you see that starting on Monday night? What, what's your score prediction for, uh, for the game at the Vic?
0: Weirdly, we actually got more points away from home than at home this year. Um, just something about it seems, and I think we're, we're unbeaten in five away, won the last two away without conceding. Um, so while it may look on paper like it's, you know, and QPR's away form over several years has been really poor. Um so it may look like an easy win and it may turn out to be an easy win to be perfectly honest. Um you just you just never know. We are we are sort of harder to beat away from home over the last few weeks than we have been before. So I'm not expecting us to to get anything but um maybe not expecting it to be as one-sided as it may look on paper or on the on the league table.
2: Yeah. And if you were to actually go for a, a score prediction itself
0: Oh, don't make me I'm <laughs> throwing you. we throw everyone under the bus right we can't oh, let you be an exception me. well you know <laughs> I don't know nail me to the wall I'd probably say we get beat 2-0 but you never get we might we might hang in there for hang in there for a draw um it's, I've. you know you can probably tell from my tone it's been it's been a bleak season it's been one yeah. of them yeah <laughs> we, we were it was always going to be tough with the players we lost from last season you know if you took you take Eze out of any team. I think I think Eze was the best player in the league last year. We had Naki Wells, Jordan Hugo, Manning, Osay Samuel, Eze, all going out of a team that still only finished thirteenth last year. It was always going to be a bit tough. Plus lockdown, plus everything else that's going on. It was always going to be a bit bleak. But it's it's certainly been that and more for us. To be you know we're fully in the find three worse teams than us and uh, yeah. let's get the hell out of here mode at the minute. I'm afraid.
2: Yeah, well, let's uh Let's see what happens come Monday night. Obviously, Watford with currently the best home record in the league. And as you say, you know, QPR unbeaten in the last five away from home. So, like you say, it could be a closer game than the uh, the, the form table suggests. So, we will see. But thank you very much for, for coming on the podcast, Clive. Like I said, Clive is on Loft for Words uh, blog website. We'll tag them in the tweet. So, go and check them out if you can. They've been around for 16 years. That's incredible. Um, so, yeah, thank you very, very much. For coming on, Clive, and hopefully um, it's a good game for the neutral. But obviously, as Watford fans, we we hope we we absolutely stuff you. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, it wasn't more upbeat, lads. <laughs> no, yeah, not a no problem. Thank you very, very much for coming on.
0: Cheers, lads. <laughs>
2: So some very, uh, very interesting things. Ben, he sounds confident. You know, he's <laughs> I, obviously QPR are some rivals, so he, he wouldn't sit right if we didn't take the mick a little bit. What did make me laugh is he sort of lauded QPR's away form, saying that they're, they're much better away this season. And that might be the case. And, but he was saying they've not lost in five uh, away from home. When I checked the form table, they've picked up the, the same amount of points as us away from home. In more games, so technically, oh, it's not that Ian. good then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he um, for a team that sort of seemed in a bit of disarray. Obviously, we mentioned Warburton's reign at the club maybe coming to an end soon. They, he seems quite confident. Do you, are you expecting a tough game, or obviously, it's very easy to sit here and just say, "Yeah, there are rivals, we're going to crush them," and all this. But are you expecting a tough game from QPR, or it goes back to that whole? does it go back to that whole we're at home, we should be all right mentality?
1: Um, I, I know quite a bit about QPR because my part this whole side of the family <laughs> all QPR. Uh, yeah. and lucky I managed to change her to being a Watford fan because um, <laughs> I couldn't have her being a QPR fan living with her. No. Um, but yeah, um, th- they're, they're an unhappy bunch. They're they're not really enjoying their football under War, Warburton. They was kind of hoping that he was going to get sacked a few weeks ago, but obviously we have brought in Charlie Austin and he managed to beat Luton for them, which is yeah. good for us. We we don't want Luton winning games, but that kind of kept Warburton in the job. And mm-hmm. they're they're, the, they're a selling club. They always sell their best young players. But they've been in a relegation fight for probably the last three, four seasons now yeah. and probably been lucky to stay into the championships. So I think it's going to catch up on them sooner rather than later. And I think them coming to the Vic on Monday night, uh, I think it's live on Sky as well. It is. You you, you would have to say that I don't think we'd smash them, but I think we would maybe comfortably win, maybe like a 2 0 victory. Um, I, I don't really see them coming to the Vic and causing them much of a problem. I don't think they've got much in their side apart from Charlie Austin, but I'm really impressed with our, back, our uh, two centre-backs at the moment. I don't really think he could cause True oh, Econ no. and Sirretti a, a lot of problems. Famous last words, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to snip it
2: this and then send it you if we lose, and then give you a barrel of abuse. Uh, but no, um, Charlie Austin's the one that worries me. Obviously, he's uh, without checking, I'm pretty sure his record against us is pretty decent. Um, he does love a goal against Watford. But, um, yeah, he's the one that I worry about. Um, Elias Chair as well. We've actually been linked with him, another good player. But they've let go of um, Bright, say Samuel, which surprises me. But, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. Now, just before we wrap things up, Ben, I'm going to throw you under the bus a little bit. Um, have you, as uh, well, What's your score prediction for the game itself?
1: I don't think you was listening to me the last 30 minutes, thirty seconds. I said, I, I'm oh, going to go you? for a
2: comfortable 2-0 oh, Sorry, yeah. mate. It's it's still early in the morning for me, even even for it's me. It's half eight early. now. It is half eight, I know. you um, not woken up yet? No, not, not quite. Yeah,
1: sorry, you did say 2-0. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah,
2: um, I'll,
1: I'll go for 2-0 Watford. Hopefully, Andre Gray's nowhere to be seen um, in the Watford say. side gel <laughs> uh, um, Pedro to come back in hopefully Ken Sem has recovered from his knocks, we've got six days now well five yep. days until the QPR days game so hopefully we can get him fit, I don't know if Isaac's success or Quinner are any closer to a recovery, hopefully they are and maybe they. we might see one of them on the bench or something because they were meant yeah, to be a few know. weeks away same with Perizia as well, um, so mm-hmm. hopefully it's more time for some players to recover because I did look at that bench last night and think, Oh, I don't think we can change too much in yeah, the game. I thought probably, all we had was Zinko and Engel and Pedro, and then we only made two subs last I was going night, to didn't we? So think... That might
2: be why. Um, Hongbo was on the bench. I, I do want to see him a little bit more this season, but look at who he's competing with. So, bless him. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to go. Do you know what? I'm, I'm feeling positive, I'm going to go 3 0. Um, I think Troy's going to score. I'll leave that up to Hello, the listener, yeah. whether it will be a penalty or a from open <laughs> play. Um, Pedro's going to score and then Sar's going to score. So 3-0 on am going to go. But yeah, um, that's all we've got time for. Thank you very, very much. It's not often that me and Ben do midweek podcasts. I think the last time we did one of these was last season when we first started up. So. Um, Thank you to everybody that does eventually listen to this one. Uh, Don't forget to leave a like on the tweet, drop it a retweet as well, uh, and then leave us a review and leave us um, a nice comment on Apple, Apple podcasts. uh, If if that's how you listen, Uh, but yeah, from myself, Mike Duffy and from my co-host Ben Ayton. We want to thank you for listening as always. Enjoy the rest of your week. QPR under the lights on Monday. We've got a special guest for that one which we'll announce later on this week. Stay safe, stay positive and come on you ons. <laughs>